Okay. Let's just have a prayer. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the importance of the Word of God for each one of us. For our walk with you, Lord. And you know the stage that we're at today. You know, Lord, how you want to take us on from where we are and, and just give us tremendous help and blessing along the way. You want us to grow in our faith. And we pray that what we say today would be a help to us in that area. We thank you, Lord, for this Sunday when we can reflect on what's happening in the area but also reflect powerfully on your word. Give us something, Lord, to, to take away with ourselves, to, to build us up in our faith. And we pray that this fellowship here will just grow and grow because we want to be close to you, Lord. And we thank you that you're never a disappointment to us. Your mercies are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness. So we ask your loving God to speak afresh through your powerful word. And to you be the praise. And to you be the glory. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking and thinking today about God's word. Three different verses of scripture. I just want us to think of what's happening in the area uh, today. I don't suppose we can really understand how people feel today. He'll be attending this special service. I think it's at one o'clock. There'll be this service. People who are still alive, who have lost loved ones in this terrible mining disaster of 1959. 47 people lost their lives. It's interesting that two of a couple in our church in uh, Nakirk and Tillich, the, the husband lost his father and his brother in this terrible mining disaster. And we can understand why the community want to celebrate the 50th year of what's been going on here in the community. And there'll be a lot in the community who don't even know much about it. But I'm the son of a miner myself. And my father worked in the mines all these days and his father before him. And, and I just know how close-knit mining communities really are. And I'm sure it's true even today, although there's no miners' rows and, and the houses that used to be there, I'm sure there's a close-knit fellowship and, and community there in the area. And it's interesting in the Bible how the Israelites had, had stones of remembrance. Stones that would remember the, the deliverance of God in their lives over the Jordan River, they remember. They had to build up piles of stones. So that people who came afterwards would remember that the Lord had wonderfully delivered them. There are also times when God asked his people to remember their bitter experiences. The, the bitter waters that they had. The waters of Meribah. And so there were places where they were called by a special name because God wanted to remember the, the bitter times that they had gone through as well as the times of deliverance. Of course the great remembrance of deliverance was the Passover when God wonderfully took them through a time of terrible enslavement during the time of the Pharaohs. 400 years of slavery and now they're going to be set free. And when we come to a Sunday like this, especially for the folks outside, we come to a Sunday of remembrance for them. And there's various things in our lives, in our world, in which we remember. The, the remembrance of the Holocaust, for instance, that goes on. 
the remembrance of 9-11, Afghanistan, whatever it be, well, people will want to keep alive the remembrance of their loved ones. And one of the other things that they want us to remember is the lessons that may have been learned from the past. I was reading the the Glasgow Herald, the you know the the Kirky Herald, and I found there that they had learned great lessons from this mining disaster, and there was some sort of self-help down below the pit after that disaster took place. Some kind of uh, rescue, self-rescue that they would have after that took place. I want you to take your minds to Exodus chapter 14 and 15 there. And it's really the, the, the part of that verse that says there, Tell the Israelites to move on. Tell them to move on. And the problem is with the Israelites at that point in their history is that they had a past where God had wonderfully delivered and they had the Passover to remind them of God's great deliverance. But that part of the verse says, tell the Israelites to move on. They had a future that they still to enter into. And for some people, I'm sure it's going to be true for folks who are going to be gathering today, they've got a past that they want to remember. But have they got a future that God wants them to enter into? That's the important question. They want to commemorate the past in the present, but has they got a future that God wants to bring them into? They will gather on the road, I'm sure, at the, uh, outside there, outside the memorial there. But you know, many of them will be at cr- crossroads. Wondering, what is God saying to my life in all of this? And I'm sure the Christian church will have a part. To, I don't know who's taking part in the services today, whether the church will be represented or not. But I'm sure the church has got something to say. Of people who come not only to the road where that memorial is, but to the crossroads in their lives. And last Friday, we were able to show the community and share in that, that we had a heart for the community in the service that we rendered there at the coffee shop. But we long to share more, don't we? What does Paul say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? He said, I shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. But not only that, I shared with you Myself, ourselves. We shared our lives with you. And on Friday we were able to share ourselves with those who were the 40 people who were there on Friday about 12 o'clock. And what Paul says is also true. We shared the gospel. We shared the Lord with you. And we long to to do that, don't we? We long to share the gospel with those in this area who perhaps are still remembering this terrible mining accident. We know there are things that we need to hear as the community of Jesus Christ. It's possible for a Christian community to be betwixt and between something. Between the the deliverance of the past and yet a future that God wants us to enter into. And that's true not only of folk who are going through a remembrance of a mining disaster. It's true of the Christian church. That there's a deliverance from the past through Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross. And there's a future he wants to bring us into. 
We need to look at that. We can be betwixt and between. And here is this word that the Lord wants to impress upon these uh, Israelites. Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Tell them to move on. There was a time for crying out to the Lord. A time for tremendous prayer for deliverance. But Moses is standing there in faith. And God is almost saying to Moses, what are you waiting for? What's all this crying out to me for? It's time to stretch out your rod. It's time to see an act of faith, a miracle taking place. And a way to be made open in the sea to cross over. And God has his servants who he will spur us on to to move forward from where we are in our Christian experience. Tell the Israelites to move forward. They've been crying out to me in prayer. It's now time to stretch out the hand of faith. It's now time to move on from where you are. And that's a tremendous word that God gives us. Tell the people of Israel to move on. And sometimes the Lord has to say to that, that to us more than once. And, and God has his servants who will help us to move on from being stuck in the wilderness. But not really into our inheritance in Christ. Not really into the promised land and all that God has for us. And we need to say, Lord, we need those who will intercede for us, who will pray for us, but we also need those who will raise up their staff and speak to these waters and cause them in the power and the miracle of faith to move apart and to allow God's people to move right on. And we need to move on, folks, from where we are in our own individual Christian experience. We need to move on as a church from where we are. And that's the kind of word that God wants to bring uh, through his word today. But I have to tell you, this moving on is not an easy business. It's a low business. And it seems that the Lord has to point the way more than once. Let me read from Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. I don't know if you've got it in your Bibles there. But Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. The first of three verses I want to share with you. But Numbers 13 and verse 30 in this version actually says to us this. But Caleb tried to encourage the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Let's go and take the land. The the New England International Version said, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. And most of you know the story of Joshua and Caleb and the ten other spies, or twelve spies, all together. And their job was to go and spy out the land. I think they'd been about two years in the wilderness by this time. And they came to that place of Kiriathajirim, somewhere like that. And they came to this border of the promised land. And here's Joshua and Caleb really fired up to go in there and and take possession of it. And the others went in as well. And they said there's giants in that land. And all that Joshua and Caleb could see were the the fruits and the honey. And they said we can conquer it. They had a mighty big God. And they said we can actually do this. We can go in and and we can take possession. God has given us this land. We can take possession of it. And the other ten said no way. There's just no way. They weren't looking at God. They were looking at the giants. 
And so you find that the ten went against Joshua and Caleb and, and they come back and they tell the others. And, and it's amazing what you have here in this story here because what you have here is in two years they could have been in the promised land and because they refused to go in, they were in the wilderness another 38 years. 40 years. A whole generation had died. A whole generation had never went into the promised land. It was their children, it was their family that went into the promised land. Except of course Joshua and Caleb and others. And it's simply saying, this is what the story telling us. It's simply saying that the way forward is not without conflict. There's going to be conflict. The, the enemy of our soul, the devil himself, is going to make sure there's going to be giants in the land. There's going to be things that are difficult ahead. But our focus is not to be on the giants. Our focus is to be on the Lord. Our focus is on the Lord. And greater is he who is in us than the devil who's in the world. That's the wonderful promise that God's word gives to us. And so here they were on the edge of going into the promised land after a couple of years. And because they looked at the giants rather than God, they spent another 38 years, 40 years altogether, in the wilderness. And it's simply saying that the way forward is not without conflict. And what happens is the conflict is not with the enemy in the promised land. The conflict ends up with themselves. There began to be this disagreement between Joshua and Caleb and also the other ten spies who just weren't having anything to do with it. And there's a past deliverance you don't want to forget. You don't want to forget how God has delivered us from the past. And Israel didn't want to forget that because they had the Passover. But there's a future that God wants you to enter into. God's got a wonderful future for us in Christ. And he wants us to enter into into it. And there's this going up of Caleb's into conflict with the enemy. And that conflict will only be evident the more that we walk with the Lord. The more we go on with Jesus, we will realize there's an enemy that we're facing. We will realize this is spiritual warfare we're on. We're under attack from the enemy. I don't know if you realise you're under attack from the enemy. Perhaps you say I'm under attack every day from the enemy. And we're constantly having to, to fight against the enemy in the power of the Lord, in the power of his spirit. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And we can hear this wonderful call coming from God saying, I want you to go forward. I want you to obey my word. I want you to move on from where you are into all that I have promised for you. And, and, the, and this word of Joshua and Caleb is, is really saying to us, you can do this. Jo- Joshua and Caleb are saying to the other ten spies, we can move in. They really say, for we can certainly do it. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. Do you ever feel like that? You can do it. Oftentimes we feel, I just can't do this. I'm just floored spiritually. I've just had a visitation of so many things that are, are knocking me down. How am I going to get up and go on? And the Bible gives us great encouragement. You can certainly do it. Maybe that's a word that you need to take home today. You can certainly do it. It's what Joshua and Caleb said to these other ten spies. 
We just need a, a Caleb to urge us to go into conflict. And one of the wonderful things in the Bible about Caleb is this. Did you realise it says more than once about Caleb, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. More than once, if you read the story of Caleb, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And that's the secret. Really, giving your heart to the Lord is not just something you do at the beginning of your salvation. It's something you're constantly doing. Lord, I, I give you my heart. My heart's in this. And I give you my heart in the following of your way and of your life. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. Then we come to the next verse, if you have it in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 6. Maybe you won't find that very easily, but uh, if you're following the same Bible that I'm using here, it's page 1011 in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. And it says, so let's stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. And so we find Joshua and Caleb saying, let's go up. Because God's got wonderful deliverance in store against the enemy. And here in this verse it's saying, let's go on to maturity. Leave behind the elementary teachings about Christ. And let's move on to real growth in our Christian faith. If we need a Caleb to urge us to go on into conflict with the enemy, we need, we need an apostle to tell us to go on into maturity. Let's leave aside the elementary stuff, the teachings about Christ, and go on to maturity. And see, the, the, what the Apostle is telling us, whoever wrote this letter to the Hebrews, is telling us, we don't want to be stuck at the foundation because God wants to build upon the foundation of Christ himself. He wants to build on your experience of your salvation, on your Christian life. He wants you to build on that. And so maturity here is seen in Hebrews as the superstructure that's built on the foundation. It's building upon that foundation a superstructure. And what an example we have all around here in Moody'sburg. Have you been looking around the countryside of late? Have you looked to the new roads that are getting built? My, what a, an excavation is going on all around us. There's new roads being built. There's, there's new bridges being built. If you go along to, into Lindsay and look on the left, you'll see this new bridge has been built. And they built the bridge first, and then they went through the, the earth. And you can now see it's down to the level of where the road's going to be. And go the other way to the A80 and you'll see there not only have they excavated but they're actually building bridges. There's going to be tremendous things happening down beyond Middlesbrough where we are down there. These bridges being built, new roads being built. Something new is happening all around us. There's a new way going to be torn right through the countryside. And what a tremendous lesson that is. There's going to be a highway for people on the move. 
and I get that impression from God's word that there's an illustration there that, that God is excavating ground that was too hard or too tall and too mountainous in fact if you go right along the A80 they're actually hacking through a hill on the right hand side I think that's going to be levelled and God is the God who, who makes crooked things straight and lays law the mountains that we can get right through that's a tremendous things. And God is saying to us, leave behind the elementary teaching. Well, let's go on to maturity. And what this verse is telling us, we need to go on and leave behind that foundational stuff and start building on the foundation of Christ that has been laid in your life and mine. Elsewhere in Scripture puts it this way. Paul says, you, you've had the milk. It's time to go on to the meat. You've, been, you've run the milk for a while. It's time to move on for the meat. If we need to go up in conflict, we need to go on in maturity. That's what the Bible's teaching us. And what's the test of maturity? Surely it's growth. That's the test that we are mature in our faith. The fact that they were growing in their faith, growing in the knowledge of the Word of God, growing in our prayer life. I think Ms. Adele was telling you something about our time away at the prayer conference on Wednesday. And I think we were growing, I think I was growing in my prayer life. Just through meeting these folks who were so into intercession and getting before God in prayer that you felt, am I there yet? <laughs> but God has given them a ministry of intercession. There's a ministry that God gives people who can't get out even and God's given them a ministry of intercession and they've just been so wonderfully used by God and blessed by God in that ministry but growing in our knowledge of the word of God growing in our prayer life growing more like Jesus in character and attitude you'd be amazed maybe you're not amazed I don't know you'd be amazed how childish Christians can be at times maybe you haven't discovered that yet I've known new Christians Growing in stature in Christ. Where Christians of many years have just remained the same. They have not grown in their faith. They almost have stagnated in their Christian experience. And those who have recently come to Christ. Going step after step. Growing, growing, growing in Christ all the way. You see there are too many Christians suffering from spiritual anorexia. They're suffering from spiritual anorexia. They're starving the souls. Let me put it another way. Song of Solomon 1 and verse 6 says, Do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm a darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. But my own vineyard I haven't kept. They made me take care of other people's vineyards. But my own vineyard... <coughs> I haven't kept. What a lesson that is for us. We've been helping other folks along the way for so long and here we are ourselves. An unkept vineyard that isn't producing the fruit as it were. It's a bit like a joiner doing great work in everybody else's house and his own house is falling apart. I'm not saying that's true of a deal's. I met a plumber recently. I was at a funeral and this plumber was there and this way his wife was sitting next to him. She said, you have no idea the plumbing jobs need to be done in our house. And he and his son and his wife are hoping to go to Canada and emigrate there and, 
and there's all these jobs needing done, the plumbing jobs in his own house, he's attending to everybody else's. Those of us who give out, we preachers are, are susceptible to this. Those of us who get out, give out, we need to take in for ourselves. We need to get our own house in order. But how do I look after my soul? How do I go on to maturity? Let me give you one more verse. And this time it's from Psalm 122. Psalm 122. And the first verse says, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, Let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's go up, said Caleb. To conflict. Let's go on, says the apostle, to maturity. Let's go to or into, David implies, to communion. To go into the house of the Lord. You know it's impossible to go forward in the Christian sense without that vital communion with Jesus. Without that vital communion with our Lord. For one thing, there'll be a lack of understanding of the wicked. We just won't get it right. Remember I was preaching here on Psalm 73? And Psalm 73 is that psalm where the psalmist says, I I just don't understand what's going wrong. The pagans are having a wonderful time. And everything they're doing is, is okay. They're having a good time. They're making their money and everything's well in their family. and All the things going well. But here I am trying to serve the Lord and everything's falling apart. And he complains and complains and my feet had well nigh slipped. Then he says later on in that Psalm 73, I went into the house of the Lord and then understood their end. Understood where they're going to end up. I went into the house, I went to the sanctuary and then I understood their end. And this is the tremendous thing about this psalm here, this 122 in verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord today. Because in that house of the Lord we begin to understand what God is saying to us. And the destiny of the wicked, of those that are not following Christ. And without that communion there will be a lack of spirituality. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 16, we will see things from a human point of view. But it says there in that verses 16 and 17, From now on therefore we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation, everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And without that communion with the Lord, there's going to be that lack of spiritual insight. Well, thing that everybody else is doing fantastically. And here's this verse that says, we don't regard all this stuff from a human point of view anymore. But in Christ, with a new creature in Christ, all things, all things have passed away. And all things have become new. That's a tremendous truth. Our spirituality depends on our communion with the Lord and prayer and in fellowship. And there will always be that tent of meeting that Moses spoke of with a, with a glow in their faces. That really tells us of the hope and the strength of the Christian believer. And thirdly, without communion with the Lord, our works are to be better than those of the humanist. There'll be no better, sorry, than those of the humanist or the philanthropist. Those that are doing good in society. Without that communion with the Lord, everybody else will be doing the right things according to ourselves. 
But you know, to have communion with the Lord is to bring a new dimension to Christian service. It means that we take people beyond themselves and we point them to the Saviour. So at the same time as we alleviate the suffering and the stress that people go through, we enter into a communion with the Lord to help us to see his salvation. To help us to see what he's done for us upon the cross. That communion with the Lord to see the needs of the whole person, body, mind and spirit. I rejoice with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord today. Without that communion, we lack understanding about the wicked. We think the wicked have a better deal than we have. Now once we get communion with the Lord, we understand where they're coming from. We understand their end. And without that vital communion with the Lord, and we lack that spirituality, we only see things from a human point of view. And the Apostle said, I'm no longer seeing things from a human point of view. In Christ, all things have become new. In Christ, I can go forward. And our spirituality depends on this communion with the Lord, not as a humanist or a philanthropist, but as somebody who has entered into all the Saviour has for us. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And we need to hear that word. That the Lord spoke to Moses when the people were out of Egypt but not in the promised land. He says to Moses, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Tell them to move on where they are. Tell them. And we have noted numerous examples of the process. We need a Caleb to say to us, let's go up to conflict. We can really do it. Need an apostle in Hebrews to tell us, let's go on to maturity. Need a David to tell us, let's go on into communion with our Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord today. That's where we get our focus. That's where we see things from a spiritual point of view. Let's go to the house of the Lord. There's a past deliverance, friends, that we mustn't forget. But there's a future blessing that we mustn't miss. Is that true? There's a past blessing in Christ upon the cross that we mustn't forget. But there's a future blessing that we mustn't miss in Christ. Tell the people of Israel, Moses, or God said to Moses, tell them to go forward. Tell them to go on. It was David Livingston who said, I shall go anywhere, anywhere, provided it's forward I shall go anywhere provided it's forward let's come in prayer Lord, I want to thank you for your blessing of your word upon us as we go out into the open and perhaps share with others outside help us to hear your word we want to think of their commemoration of the past but we're thinking too of their forward movement with you help us to be an influence in that direction, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.